Thanks for joining me today. My name is Chuck Tuck, and I am the host of Behind the Story with Chuck Tuck. My guest today is Debbie Peterson, and we're going to be talking about her book, The Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town. So sit back and listen, because you're about to learn a lot of stuff about local government. Debbie, once again, thanks for joining me today. I'm delighted to and, be here. Yeah, I'm I'm really delighted to have you because we're going to be talking about local government, um, mm -hmm. local policies, maybe, but certain things. And you've got uh, you've got a book out right now called the The Happiest Corruption: Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town. But you also have several other books that uh, that you have published as well. Yeah, so, I do. It's a series, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Now, before we get into the to the books, I was wondering if you could give a little bit of background as to who you are, maybe where you grew up, um, why, and how you got into this politics, and especially the the local politics, and then we could dive right into that sleaze yeah. of corruption. Well, <laughs> I'm going to start by saying. I hate politics. I've always hated politics. <laughs> I can't do office politics. I'm one of these people who just wants to get stuff done. Um, and so I, I find it like everyone else, it, you know, the local government, government's very frustrating because it's decision by committee. And that's incredibly frustrating for folks, but it's also the best way to get it done. And I know you're an expert in these things, so you've probably got some helpful feedback on all of that. Um, I started uh, with a degree in communication, and that came from, uh, I was a year at Fresno State University, and then went up to the University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho. And mm -hmm. after that, I helped my mother launch a small business in Fresno. It was called the Brownie Baker, and we made American, well, my grandmother's recipes for cakes and cookies, like everybody and their mother was doing back in the 70s, Otis Spunkmeyer and Debbie Fields. and. And um, after that, I wanted to work abroad for a little while, and I'd been doing exchanges with kids in Scotland. Um, I was a member of a Presbyterian church, and the Church of Scotland is basically, they're the same church. And so I had a lot of friends in Scotland. And um, so I decided to go over there and work for a couple of years. I worked in advertising agencies and uh, helped launch food products and did market research and realized that my mother's products would sell really well in Great Britain. And they did. They took off. They did fabulously. I launched a company there, copied my mother's business. She came over and was a director of my business and um, had an absolutely fabulous time. I was too young to know I couldn't do it. And so um, I ended up being the young business person of Scotland and a young Scottish um, or the um, a honorary Scottish master baker. And I got an award from Maggie Thatcher and judged wow. competitions with Richard Branson. And it was a blast. And uh, then at the age of 40, I had my son and his dad and I decided we would rather raise him in the school system in the United States. And so, and we had family here and we knew he'd be an only child. So we came back here. And um, in the meantime, in Britain, I'd been doing a lot of work with redevelopment agencies for small businesses, helping them get started. And I, you know, when I'd had my own company at such a young age, I had formed a board to help me do that because I knew there was an awful lot I didn't know and probably more that I didn't even know that I didn't know. So um, I had a lot of experience, 
experience of helping small companies and learning how to read balance sheets and the kinds of things that in a small government agency or in a small town would be really helpful. And that's really what got me involved in local government in my small in my own small town. Mm. You're talking about business and government and local government. Local government plays a huge part in the local business. I mean, big. I, I've got some things here. Well, the things that I really did not realize is how much the local government does for the community. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to say a couple of things like planning and zoning bylaws, taxation, local business support. You've got community collaboration between one community to the next. Uh, you're also responsible for trying to find all these different federal programs, uh, provisional programs to, to, to help out the community. Um, and really just advocating for the, the, the growth and the economic growth of, uh, of that town, of the community. And that's, that's a huge responsibility. It is. And, um, you know, local governments really can make or break uh, a community business-wise because I think a lot of times I found that people on, my, um, on the city council, they said they were pro-business and they thought they understood what that meant. But if you've never, if you've never run a company, if you've never had everything you own on the line, um, you really have no idea what it means to be pro-business and understand what it means to, to help local businesses. And sometimes it's very simple things. It's things like when you decide to repair the streets, how about letting the businesses know that their sidewalks are going to be blocked so that they can adjust accordingly and advertise and market and put the signs out? Um, or they can ask the city, would you please put the signs out? Or maybe not block it during our peak times. Little things like that where cities can really help. And I, I think I always turned it on its head from what you're saying, and, and I can come back to what local governments do. But, um, you know, businesses are the lifeblood of a city. And I think a lot of times we in the community, um, just the average person and the local government has no clue about that. But if you think about it, it's the businesses that are paying the highest property taxes because the commercial units are the most expensive. And so when they sell, the property taxes are the highest. They're paying more in property taxes than anybody in their homes are paying. And they're the ones that are collecting the sales tax, which um, not in every state I know, but in many states is the highest, is you know is a really good chunk of money that comes in and helps the community. Um, and I don't think people realize just how much the businesses, plus they provide the jobs. Um, right. So businesses, plus they just provide uh, the goods that we all want. You, you can get your gas. You can. So anyway, I'm very pro-business and I'm pro-small business, of course. Um, and local government in many ways is like a small business because they run your sewer department. They run your water department. They sometimes run the gas and electricity. And um, if those things don't run, if your fire department doesn't run, your police department doesn't run, you don't have the really basic health and safety things that you need. And they decide whether you can build something here or build something there and, and what, how, it, how your downtown's going to look or how your main street's going to look. So yes, they are really important. And it's, it's best if they can work hand in hand, but not... And, and I know the schools as well, but it's not just hand in hand with the businesses, but with everybody in the community. And we don't realize how important our role is as community members in determining the direction that our local government will take. 
Wow. Um, I know I'm going to be jumping around a little bit here because a lot of things that you're saying, the well, I should say the first thing that pops up into my head is what are the credentials of somebody that wants to play a role in this? How do they go about, um, well, like you are a city council member. Uh, you are also uh, a mayor. You are also in uh, planning, uh, part of the planning committee and things like that. But is there a stepping stone or is there education that you have to do or have? Thank you for asking that. And um, it's a really good question. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say this is the book that will tell you that. And and the reason <laughs> I'm cheating, this is the proof copy. I actually loaded it to Amazon today, but it's the City Council 101. Um, it's the insider's guide to um, for new council members. But the reason that I'm cheating and throwing it up on the screen here is because um, nobody tells you that. There's nothing anywhere that gives you a playbook that says, here's your job description, here's how you do it. And uh, it's generally pretty much the same across the board. There's nothing in the Constitution about local government in the in our national constitution. It's all left to the states and the state constitutions um, determine what how cities, how they're done, how they're run, how they're, mm. how they're put together. Um, there are some cities, the very old cities, will have their own charter, which is like bylaws or a const their own city constitution. And cities are really cool because their counties, I know I'm getting kind of detailed here, but counties are a subdivision of the state. They're not independent, but cities are a separate unit of people who've decided to govern themselves. And they're, um, they are um, a corporation. They're incorporated as a group of people who've decided to govern themselves. So they're special. And that's why everybody kind of likes mayors. You know, mayor's kind of special. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're unique. And um, so to answer your question, to there are no, this is why I gave you the book. Show you the book. There are no qualifications. Okay. <laughs> Almost none. So there are about three. One is you have to live in the community where you're running for office. So if you live in the unincorporated area of a county, you can't run for a city council. But if you live in the city itself, you can. Um, so you have to live in the city. Usually you have to be over 18 because you have to usually be a registered voter. Um, usually you have to be a citizen. I think there's some. Washington state's got some really interesting, um, they've got some, I think, really good, challenging ways of doing things that are different, that are better than some of the old ways we've been doing it. Um, so hats off to Seattle in particular. Um, <laughs> but... Um, and so you have usually have to be a U.S. citizen and you have to live in the community. Usually have to be over 18. You have to be voting age. 17 if you register to vote before an election and you're going to be 18 in the election. So if you're 17, just go register to vote. And um, um, that's about it. Wow. So some yeah. of the things are really similar to being on the uh, HOA. Yes, or the school board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a good point, too, because HOAs are quasi-governmental organizations, and, they're, and they actually are pretty heavily regulated by the states as well, and, and should be. Um, but yeah, they run, around, they run along the same lines. 
Yes, and I can't imagine being on the city council or anything because I know what it's like to be on an HOA board and be a member. It's worse oh. to be on, it's, I think it's worse to be on the HOA board because I'm on one of those two. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's worse. And, and the reason it's worse, I think, is although I'm saying there's no playbook to be on city council, there's less of a playbook to be on an HOA board. People have even less of a rule, uh, less of a rule book. What happens, what happens anywhere you go is people like to, they think, people tend to kind of think, well, I, forgive me, it sounds really awful to say this, but it seems to be the case a lot of times. It's kind of like they've got a treehouse club and they think they can just make up their own rules, you know, no boys allowed, no girls allowed, whatever. Um, and, and it's not like your treehouse when you were 12 years old. Uh, there really are rules and you need to read them and know them and understand them for both HOAs and local government. And they're pretty much the same. <laughs> the rules are, the principles are the same. I'm smiling because I know exactly what you're meaning. <laughs> yeah. And you don't get to do that. It's not legal. No. And you can go to jail and pay big fines. And when you do, it's all your neighbors and friends who pay, um, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> Before we lose sight, I want to make sure that people know where to go as far as your website. And it's uh, just DebbiePeterson.com, correct? Right. And, uh huh. And I, so I, if folks can see my name on the screen, that's the spelling. And it's it's really easy to get to. And everything that you want to know about local government, um, the books I've written, and um, even a, a, there's a, I have a great podcast called Corruption Chronicles. All of that stuff you can get to from the website. That's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, and the website, I'll say it's it's really well put together. And like I said, there's um, a, a fair amount of information there. So definitely, uh, I encourage people to go there. Because again, once again, you're, you're living in that city. You're living in that community. So it, whether you, I don't know, take responsibility, be responsible. Uh, your, your city council meetings are open to the public. So I... I I would say I would encourage for people to go, and I, I'm sure, Debbie, you would probably be saying that more than me, say, go. Um, yeah, it sounds really, really boring, and I, I will tell you, it is almost, no, I'm going to say it is addictive, because you get to know what's really going on in your community, and you get to participate in it, you get to voice, which is how it's supposed to be. That's what democracy is about. You get to say your piece, and... um and then sometimes you'll bring other people along with you and they'll agree with you and you can ch make a change. And it's easy to make change in your local community. Um, well, sometimes it is. Yeah. <laughs> let's, say it's, let's say it's easier to make change in your local community. And um, but you'll meet people. Uh, you'll meet. It, it's wonderful. It's a great thing. And one of one of the things that an older, more experienced mayor said to me when I first got started was, Debbie, you're going to. You're going to make friends with people you never thought you'd make friends with, and you're going to lose friends that you never thought you'd lose. <laughs> but it's and that's a, that's okay. But the ones that you meet that you never thought you'd know, um, or even have anything to do with, those are the ones that really change you in a good way. And it's yeah. it's definitely worth doing. It's a lot of fun. It's very interesting. Well, I, I'm glad that you said that people citizens can make a change because I was wondering if citizens can really make a change in the governance. Uh, by attending these things and learning what is happening in their community. And so you're saying, yes, go. You can voice your, your opinions, your thoughts. Um, but it's not this free-for-all where you just shout it out, but you can make a change, right? 
Absolutely. That the, the next book that's going to probably come out in March, and it's the third in the Integrity 101 series, is um, is We the People 101. And um, it's uh, called How to Beat City Hall is the subtitle. And the reason I call it How to Beat City Hall is not because I want you to go in and beat up City Hall at all. Um, I'm in favor of City Hall. But it's because a lot of people think you can't beat City Hall. And um, it is not always easy, uh, but you absolutely can, and you can make a difference, and there are ways to make a difference, and all of that's covered, and it's pretty simple and straightforward, and so that's a, you can connect on my website. I do have a, um, a course called uh, Double Dias, Adventures in Local Government, and it covers both for new council members and for members of the public who want to know how to streamline and fast track getting involved in making a difference um, and it's on special offer. It's only $97 right now. And usually those courses are a minimum of $297 or $397. So wow. I made it less expensive um, because I want people to be able to do it. Um, and, you know, you can buy it and share it. I don't care. I just want people to have an opportunity to, to do it. Or, you know, you can read the books. You can, and if you go to Corruption Chronicles, you'll find the rest of them. But um, anyway, I, I do. The point is that at local government, yes, you can make a difference. You can get involved. No, you can't go in and up, jump up and down and holler unless you do it in your three minutes. <laughs> usually an opportunity during public comment um, where you can say anything that's within the jurisdiction of the city and, um, t you know, mention it. It's not a give and take because it has to be on the agenda to talk about it. Otherwise, it doesn't give all the rest of the people an opportunity to be involved. It's, it's, you know, it's a surprise, and it's not supposed to be a surprise. We're all supposed mm -hmm. to know what's there so we can all um, take part. Um, and you should also be able to comment on every single thing that comes up on the agenda. And they're usually posted, they're usually posted in public places, like at the library or at City Hall, um, and they're also posted um, online. And most cities now have a lot of really good stuff online. You just put your city name in, Google your city name, and it'll come up often the first thing uh, you see okay. online. Now, as far as like the agenda goes, uh, how how does the local government put together the agenda? Is it something where I am the citizen and prior to the, the next city council meeting, I could send an email or something saying, you know, I have this concern about uh, crosswalks or not enough crosswalks. Can we talk about that? Is, do they go about taking uh, suggestions for agendas? No. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not as simple as that. And, and the reason is because um, if you think, you know, even in my little town, there are 13,000 people. And if 13,000 people, and, and we're not going to, but... Uh, you know, have an idea of what they want to talk about, we really will never get anything done in government. Um, but if there's a crosswalk where people have been hit by cars or it's dangerous for children or something like that, you absolutely should go to a city council meeting. They're usually recorded now, so you're going to be on record. Um, and, and, and you should say so. I'm concerned about this because and um, get some people to come with you and say so, because the more people who, who are concerned because, the more likely it is to get agendized. And, and if it's an issue that's important, often the city council will 
will ask the mayor or the city manager to put it on the agenda. Um, and if they do, they're going to want to do some research on it. So it's not something that's going to come on necessarily at the next meeting. Um, mm -hmm. They'll probably want to talk, if, say it's a crosswalk, they'll want to talk to the transportation department, um, get facts and figures and um, get some quotes for suggestions for costs to, to make the change and, and poll people. And so they've got, you know, there's a lot of work involved. Um, and it's important work because it's the whole community that they want to pull in on it. That's um, good to know. That's that's really good to know. Uh, so corruption. Is there really corruption in, in these small local governments? And it's, Not how always. Do we know it's, how <laughs> do we know it's corruption? How, is it a gut feeling or is it you're saying, hey, um, they're playing favors to that business over there and not mine? How do we know and how do we tell? What are the signs of, uh, well, I you know? think, you know, it's interesting. There's There are two things that I see happening. A lot of times when people don't understand the process, they assume corruption. And many times it's not. It's simply that they don't understand. And so you think it must be something's rotten. And a lot of so. And so what I always say to people is don't make any assumptions about anything. Go and do your homework. And it's the same with the crosswalk. You know, there may be a reason there's not a crosswalk there, or it may already be in the works. And so before you um, start, you know, before you do anything on, on anything in City Hall, do your research. Um, Google it online. Google it on the city website and, and check out what's the situation with it. Talk to your city council member. Talk to the city manager. And they'll explain to you what's going on. And then you can go from there. As far as corruption... There are a lot of ways to know. Um, first of all, there's just the plain old smell test. As you said, if things don't look right, well, you know, t trust your gut. Then go look and see if there's any other indication. Do other people have that same feeling about it? Um, go look at budgets, look at accounts, look at, um, you know, are there, are there whistleblowers? If you've got whistleblowers, usually it's worth listening to them. If you've got three of them, it's more worth listening to them. I have a rule of threes. When I would get three people independently coming to me about something, I could be pretty sure that that was something I'd better pay some attention to. Um, and a lot, the other side of it is that we don't want to believe it. I, you know, you love your little town. You love your big town. You like, you usually like where you live. You're fond of it and you don't want to think, you don't want to think ill of it. And besides which, then there's a lot of stuff you have to do. And then it's kind of scary. So we really, a lot of times, simply just, we'd really rather not know. And mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the thing is, we have to know. Because if you don't know, the average person pays half a million dollars in taxes in a lifetime. So that's you. But then you've got your wife. And then you've got your kids. And then you've got your parents. And you think, you know, you've got two kids and two parents and a wife, you're talking about $3 million from your family, a small family that's just gone to the government, that's responsible for taking out money and keeping you safe and actually keeping you happy, believe it or not. <laughs> and um, that was in the Constitution, a pursuit of happiness. And um, it's, it's something we should write her on. We don't give that much money to anybody and not pay attention to it, except the government. <laughs> which is oh wait that's thing. corruption <laughs> yeah which is the one thing that belongs to us mm -hmm. you know your your pension the fund it goes to doesn't belong to you 
but your government belongs to you and we are responsible for that. And if we don't like it, then we better go do something about it because it does belong to us. Nobody else is going to. Yeah. It's our job. And, and I'm glad you used the word whistleblower because I wanted to ask you about that, whether you call it a whistleblower or you just have questions or doubts. Uh, and I, I think sometimes people, we hear what happens to whistleblowers on the, the big scale. So now all of a sudden people are afraid of repercussions and things like that. Should they not fear that if, if they have a doubt, like I said, should they investigate it first and then bring it up and then ask maybe their neighbors or their friends, do you feel the same way or are you seeing the same thing? And then maybe approach city council or something or how? Always investigate it first, um, you know, because... For one thing, it's not fair to make accusations unless it's correct. Um, mm -hmm. It's not well, and also, you know, people are innocent until proven guilty. That's something else. Good thing we have here in this country. And so, um, you you don't want to slam someone or hurt someone's reputation, either a person or an agency, um, if you don't have a really solid case for doing that. Mm -hmm. And so, you definitely want to do your homework first. Um, and yes, you, there is huge power in numbers, and that's really what it takes to get anything done. And especially where there's corruption, of course, you can believe there's going to be pushback, and a lot of it. Um, because if people are corrupt, they want to protect what it is they're, they want to, first of all, protect whatever money-making uh, system they've got in place, number one. And number two, once they've, once they've got this money-making system in place, uh, they want to make sure that they don't get caught. So there will be pushback and it takes courage. And, um, you know, sometimes people make a choice just to let it slide. But when you let it slide, it gets worse and worse and worse and they get stronger and stronger. And, um, you know, that $3 million coming from your immediate family goes into their pockets. And when there's an earthquake, your house burns down because there's not enough firemen to come when the gas leaks from the gas heater yeah. you know so or the, the the hot water heater so it 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 eventually comes back and bites you or your neighbor or your family um so unfortunately it's cheaper to deal with it in the long run in terms of the social cost and ultimately the cost to your friends and family and neighbors it's actually cheaper to deal with it um, but it takes courage and it takes yeah. a lot of people yeah courage i think like you said that's that's that first step we all remember wizard of oz you know courage you've got to oh yeah. you've got to have that courage like the lion courage, um, heart and a brain and it does it takes courage heart and a brain mm -hmm. yeah yeah so follow that yellow brick road mm -hmm. well uh, I, I there's so much truth i got goosebumps talking about it there's you you've got me going there there's so much truth in that watch that movie and then go do it <laughs> exactly yes i watched it the other night <laughs> yeah that's yeah it really that movie, I used to watch that every year as a kid in Kansas City at my grandparents' house. And, of course, Kansas City was one of the most corrupt places. And But they turned it around. That's that, I love the story of Kansas City. They turned it around. Uh, going on this corruption stuff and everything, I, I'm just wondering, is there one area that's more susceptible to corruption in the local government, say whether it be taxation or whether it be, um, oh, I don't Taxation is the only thing I could think of off the top of my head, but is there a more susceptible, more an area that's more susceptible to corruption? I had never thought of it that way, but probably yes. Um, probably the the whole planning and permitting mm. is is susceptible because 
you've got um, developers who are investing huge amounts of money who might actually see it as part of their advertising budget just to throw a little money towards someone's campaign or throw a little money under the table um, to someone to make sure that something gets permitted. We had that situation when we started permitting um, cannabis dispensaries. There was a lot of money floating around and it was all cash. And um, you had to pay $100,000 to get a dispensary in my town <laughs> below the table. And um, <laughs> anyway, that's the sleaze, lies, and suicide. So read the book, you'll find out. But um, um, I think probably planning, uh, the planning departments, the permissions mm. are, are the biggest. That's really where the rackets can occur. But it can occur anyway, and it occurs a lot of different ways. The one thing is you start to see patterns when you start to, to look at it all around the world. I was talking to a gentleman from New Zealand yesterday or the day before, and he was telling me how it was happening down there. And it, it's the same. It's the same gig all the way around the world. And uh, so there are patterns that work. And, um, you know, with some people, they're just, for instance, here, I mean, it's crazy. There were, there was almost a whole organization. They all got a couple of them. I can tell you about here, one locally and one not too far away in California. They got new kitchens. They all got new kitchens on the agency <laughs> credit card. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so the trash department in one case and the water department in another, they all got lovely new kitchens. <laughs> That's your dollars paying. Yeah, that's that. That would have hired a fireman. And then when grandma fell down the stairs, maybe she wouldn't have died. Maybe the fire department would have gotten to her fast enough. And mm -hmm. so that's why it makes me so angry. That's what upsets me because it actually um, it's it's really about it's about human suffering. It's about the suffering that happens because of somebody else's greed and because we didn't pay attention and stop it. And that's that's why it upsets me. Um, well, it hurts people. Yeah, and there there you go again. It's more of a reason for each one of us as a citizen to go to your council meetings, to sit there, listen to what's going on. If if you don't have any concerns, all right, maybe you don't even want to go. But if you do, if you have any questions about certain things, uh, the city planning, whatever it might be, definitely go to these meetings and listen. And then if you want to investigate on your own and be a sleuth, investigate. Like I said, don't don't come out and point fingers without having anything to back it, back up what you're what you're saying but um and i it almost sounds like kind of like what you're saying in the very beginning it is interesting to go to mm -hmm. regardless of if if you have an interest in your city government it's just interesting all together so. well and, and the other thing is um that's i and i have a list of about four things that i say to people and the first one is show up just being there. If you're not a person who can speak in a meeting, that's okay. Um, maybe you're a person who can send an email or write a letter, or maybe you're not even good at that. That's okay because there are other things you're good at that you can be involved with. Um, but what you can do is go sit in a meeting because if, if you're a city council member and you see a lot of member of the public members of the public out there and you're you're kind of thinking you might be doing involved in something corrupt, you're less likely to if you know they're all watching. Um, mm -hmm. So just show up. That's the first yeah. step in, in making sure there isn't corruption. Well, so we've been talking about the citizens and you know a little bit about corruption, but let's turn it over. And do you have any uh, suggestions for folks who are on, whether it be 
an HOA or they are on city council, uh, they're a member, what can they do to help their community? What is, I, it's probably a, a wide breadth of things that they can do, but is there is there a clue that you could give them, hey, take a look at this and maybe it's going to be planning, maybe it's going to be about local business. Is there something that, uh, is there some place they could start that you would say? I'm going to say the very first thing they should do, because every community is unique, just listen. Just listen. Ask them questions. So when they come to a meeting and they start maybe going off on something, well, you know what? If a bunch of people are going off on something, it's because it's really important to them. And it's so important to them that they're willing to go to a meeting after work and talk in public, which is probably not their gig, and and say something about it. Um, so if people in your community are willing to actually talk to you about something, listen. And um, if there are enough of them saying something or even just a few of them coming to you with a concern, uh, after about three, uh, you might wanna just see if you should be taking some action. And it, it sounds so simple, um, but what happens often is when you get on a city council, all of a sudden and very quickly, you know more than everybody else. And you do, you know more than everybody else. And it be, and everybody else begins to be a pain in the backside, which is how it feels to everyone who works at City Hall. Oh no, here comes that person again. I gotta answer more questions because you just wanna get on with your job or you know, you're a city council member, it's kind of a volunteer thing. But the thing is, um, those questions often will give you a new idea or a new way of looking at things or a new way of explaining things. Um, and when you listen, usually you end up getting the job done better, um, better for more people. And so it's the most critical thing, two critical things. Number one, listen. Number two, ask questions. Okay. It's too easy, I know. But it's, uh, it's actually the hardest. The two hardest things you can do are the two easiest answers I can give you. And so often... Um, what we're looking for is right in front of our nose. And like I said, that goes along with the, the some of the uh, most difficult things are actually the easiest things mm -hmm. to do. Um, so this is really, uh, it's not so odd, I think, to, to folks like me who are out here and we don't know uh, much about city council and things like that. Money and pay. I mean, a lot of times I think people think, oh, they make enough money. Why aren't they doing that? But it's, Probably not true, especially for the amount of work that um, a city council member has to do. Uh, is that is that a fair statement to say? Well, all the cities get to make their own rules about how they do it. And, not, and I shouldn't say the cities, it's the voters who make the rules about how they do it. Um, and uh, some city councils are very well paid in Los Angeles. Or last time I looked, they're paid over 200000 a year to be on the LA City Council. I think that's too much. Um, they're, paid, I, they're paid more than the president. That's ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous, and I think it's a violation of the public trust. Um, originally, it was envisioned that people would go do, be involved in local government for one, two, maybe three terms, and then they would go back to their work, and it would be their public service. Um, and so in my little town, starting in 2008, I got $300 a month. I got no benefits, you know, just $300 in my pocket. That was it. <laughs> uh, 
And um, I had to pay my social security and stuff on that. So it wasn't really 300 in my pocket, but um, it was 288, I think. <laughs> I didn't have to pay too much on it. And, um, um, and that didn't even cover my auto expenses because I had to travel all over the county to meetings. But that's okay because that's not why I was doing it. I was, it was a public service, it was serving my community. And um, so it absolutely wasn't a money-making proposition. And, and I did that uh, for, well, it was, I didn't get anything when I was on the planning commission for four years. And then I was elected to the city council. I got 300 a month. So no, we're not being paid well. And um, most of us are volunteers, as it were. That, that's, uh, that's good to know, um, because I think a lot of people out there assume that everybody on the board made money. And like I said, mm -hmm. oftentimes it's a volunteer position. It may not be full time. You have another job. Again, very similar to your HOA uh, uh, members there. You make no money. It's, it's mm -hmm. just something that you do and you meet your monthly meetings or sometimes it's more than that. And you deal with all the concerns. So uh, thank you for answering that. Now, I, I want to go back to uh, your your book, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. and Maybe a little bit more about how you came about this title, The Happiest Corruption. You know, that, that's that bold. And then, of mm -hmm. course, it says sleaze, lies, and suicide uh, in a California beach town. But how did you come up with that, The Happiest Corruption? In 2011, Oprah said that our county seat of San Luis Obispo was the happiest town in America. And it's, it is a wonderful spot. And um, maybe people are a little too happy and they're not paying any attention. And that's how corruption thrives. And when no one's paying any attention, if someone's an opportunist, they will do whatever they can get away with doing. And no one's paying any attention. They just keep doing and get better and better and better. So we have the happiest county in the country. And according to the FBI, one of the most corrupt Maybe not number one, but not far from it. <laughs> number two in some cases. So depending what kind of corruption you're talking about. And and it's a very safe little county. You know, we don't have that many car thefts in that, or we have almost no murders. So it's safe from that point of view. But in terms of white collar corruption, there's a great, great, great deal of it. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's the happiest corruption. And then the sleaze, lies, and suicide in the California beach town Um that's really what I found. And, and the suicide was a county supervisor who the FBI were raiding because he was accepting bribes. And, and um, he, when the FBI went to his house, he eventually committed suicide. They were in his house and his office. And I guess he figured that was the best way out. Um, wow. And it, it, I don't know, maybe it was. This book sounds really interesting. What so, was that? This book of yours sounds really interesting. It's got characters in it that are fascinating, and I, I, I would love to see it made into a, a Netflix or a movie or a series or something because it's got all the characters. You know, it's got the little old lady with the picket fence who comes to all the meetings and speaks up, and it's got the firefighter who's the activist, and it's got the, you know, it's got them all. It's got the surf riders who, who are complaining about the sewage in the ocean when they're trying to surf. And, you know, it's got everybody. It's got all these characters. It's just, it's fascinating. And they all, and they all got together, and, and they're all very, very different people, um, but they got together because what they wanted was honest government. 
and um, and that's how it works. That's how you get it. You all get together. Well, you all heard it. I mean, if you want to make change, you all get together. You all so, get together, yeah. and and you all get together, no matter how different you are, and that is the beauty of it. Um, we had people who loved Trump. We had people who couldn't stand Trump. And when we got together to launch the book, they were all in my living room hugging each other. You don't see that. But yeah. they loved each other, and they loved each other because there was something that was bigger than all of them that was more important. And they, could, they were able to, to hang out with people they would have never spoken to. And there were other, but there were other extremes. You know, you get all the extremes. You get the race, the religion, um, all those extremes. I don't even like the word diversity because I think the important thing there is the unity um, mm -hmm. of, of all the people and diverse opinions, diverse of everything. Um, but they, they are actually unified. And that's, that's, it's only that unity that keeps the corruption out. Um, I'm glad you said that too, because uh, when you're living in most any community, you are going to have, um, you're going to have, a. am trying not to use that word, diverse, diversity. You're going to have a lot of different uh, backgrounds uh, mm -hmm. of people, That's economic good, backgrounds, mm -hmm. social backgrounds, things like yes. that. But you all live in, in that one place. It is mm -hmm. your or our community. So you should all come together as one and help each other make that change if there's change needed. So, yeah. Uh, I, I'm sitting here thinking, what kind of change? What do I need out here? There are a few things that I, I would like to see change. So, and I, I've been guilty of not going to any of the city council meetings or anything like that. And I do know for a fact, too, a lot of them now, uh, well, the minutes are available online. You could read those. Some uh, have the streaming, so you can watch that live while it's happening. So there's almost no reason for any one of us not to, to attend or to know about your, your community. And, you know, I, I concentrated on the corruption because that's what I had to deal with before I could get to a good thing. Um, but you don't have to go because you're worried about corruption. You can go because you want to do a good thing. So mm -hmm. you, may have, you may have a community that's doing great things that's not corrupt, but you can do greater things. You could do more. You could bring wonderful things to your community. And, and so you, you can go because you want to contribute. And, it may be, and, and in that same way, you'll contribute. It, the more you can come together with people who are different from you, then the more you'll be able to contribute. The principle is the same, and it doesn't have to be about um, protecting yourselves from the negative. It can be moving forward with the positive, which is how I had expected to be working <laughs> in my community. It just didn't work that way that, for me. <laughs> and you're, you're right. Don't, it, it's, this is not about all the negative negativity you you, you go uh, for change and change could be just uh, making a shift it could already be positive or whatever it might be it doesn't have to be negative you don't you don't have to seek out anything negative so so yeah I, I like that you could just just go maybe there's a good thing you can do uh, and address and take care of so you can go do the good thing yeah um, this has been fantastic it's i i've learned a lot and it's been a very comfortable conversation and just really listening to to your experience and 
really knowing what I need to do to help make change is refreshing hearing it from somebody who is on the other side, who is taking a lot of the um, the crud. Can I say crap? A lot of the crap. Hey, it's oh, yeah. my show. A lot of the crap um, that is given to you uh, or to a uh, council member or a mayor. So it's, it's good to hear um, information from you. That's the most important thing is that um, we should be working together. So it, it really works not just when, when different diverse members of a community work together, but when the city council and the public and city hall are all working together on it, is it works much better when we are working as a community together on it as a team. Well, okay. That's, that's what we need to do. <laughs> yep. Thank you so much. I hope you have enjoyed this informative information and conversation with Debbie Peterson. Remember, go to DebbiePeterson.com. Also, remember to look for her podcast, Corruption Chronicles. That can be found on DebbiePeterson.com as well. And remember, please like, share, and leave comments. And once again, thank you very much for all of your support. And I look forward to all of your comments. So thanks again. And until next time, have a great day.